A visit to the Monde Étoilé, star-studded world, is a wonderful way to learn more about this fabulous tradition. Jan Engel, Managing Director, Neuchâtel Tourism. This was a long-cherished dream. For years, people had been asking us, as tourism specialists in a region known as the World Cradle of Watchmaking, why there was no way of visiting the premises of the famous watch manufacturers. Things are, of course, far less simple than that, because you don't just walk on to watch production premises. On the one hand, they make watches and are not necessarily there to cater to tourism, aside from there being trade secrets involved. One must also create stage settings in these facilities and not just bring people and then let them loose to try and figure out how things work. It was a process that took several years, and a meeting with Jean-Claude Biver proved a decisive factor. Biver asked us, but what do you do with the watchmakers? We responded, Nothing in particular. And Jean-Claude Biver said, how can you do nothing? That's simply not possible. And from that day on, as we began to think through the concept, ideas were increasingly favorably received, especially by Zenit. It took four years to get to know each other, to show that we also had our own expertise in working with museographers, etc., until we reached the famous date of April 26, 2018, when we inaugurated the Monde Étoilé for public visits. Initially, it was thought that the main target audience would be Swiss tourists from outside the region or from other countries. But to our great surprise, there have also been a great number of locals, because we have so many families here in the canton of Neuchâtel, in which a cousin, an uncle, a grandfather, or a grandson have been involved in watchmaking. And yet we are only familiar with a small part of the industry and a few stories, so many people have no idea of the overall manufacturing process. The idea is, therefore, really to provide an experience. It's not just visiting a museum. You see objects that are exhibited, of course, including certain models, but we really want to enable people to look behind the scenes. So it's a proper guided tour that includes a fairly technical part. There are also audio-visual presentations, exploded view diagrams and virtual images. One particularly emotional part is the visit to the workshop that was Charles Vermeuse, the famous individual who saved the movement blanks back in the day. It's an extraordinary story. And one can rightfully say that he saved the brand. After that, we enter the manufacture itself and explore the areas housing the presses, pervaded by noise and the smell of oil. At this point, the guide shows a brass component and visitors begin strolling around the floor and seeing how components became ever more precise, with parts miniaturized with extraordinary precision to the nearest micron before ending up with the master watchmakers and haute horlogerie. In another spot, the guide picks up a brass plate and says, listen, and remember that an hour ago you saw a brass plate, and now you can see some of the world's most beautiful watches here. That really sums up the tour. It enables visitors to understand why certain models are so complicated 
and sometimes so expensive due to the vast amount of expertise and work that go into crafting them. It is a truly unique experience and the start of a beautiful story. Zenith has made its longevity and constancy a source of unwavering strength, a never-ending story that stands in stark contrast with the planned obsolescence of the watchmaking world. The El Primero movement has not yet revealed all of its mysteries, as this pleasant anecdote shows. One day, a man in his 40s comes to change the bracelet of his El Primero watch, which he was lucky enough to receive at the age of 18, but has never been serviced in 27 years. The magic of the El Primero movement? Maybe. You're listening to El Primero Stories, the movement podcast. Although planned obsolescence seems to be the new normal, a Swiss watchmaker still resists this way of imagining the world. Indeed, while our modern society has taught us the meaning of planned obsolescence, the kind of dysfunction that occurs at just the right time on electronic objects, signifying it is time to consider renewal because repair would cost more than the value of the device to be repaired, mechanical watches have been preserved from this mode of generating new custom. On the contrary, consumers are even specifically told at the time of purchase that they will be able to have their watch serviced in the manufacturer's workshops. Most of the major watch companies set time frames for such maintenance. In the instruction manual delivered with its watches, Zenith recommends that services should not be spaced more than five years apart. This corresponds to the period after which lubricants tend to dry out or lose their qualities, leading both to premature wear of the moving parts that rub against each other and to dysfunction of the movement, of which the timing may become somewhat unreliable. Above and beyond any potential flaws, the case seals, the glass, the crown, and the chronograph pushers may lose their qualities and no longer ensure the water resistance of the watch, which is very often disastrous for the movement. Many watches thus end up suffering from severe oxidation of the inner components, as if drowned by moisture that eventually ends up coloring the dial until it becomes unreadable. For professionals, the customer is an asset to be preserved. One afternoon in September 2010, a certain Zenith retailer receives an unexpected visit. A customer he doesn't recognize, about 45 years old, enters his shop with an almost new-looking Zenith presentation box that is, in fact, 35 years old. Inside it is the instruction manual provided with El Primero chronographs during the mid-1970s. The warranty certificate, dated June 1975, attests to a sale by this same shop, thanks to a stamp affixed by the storekeeper at the time of purchase. The paper has somewhat yellowed, and the stamp ink is slightly faded with age. Yet the date of purchase written in ballpoint pen is still so clear that it appears to have been written a few hours previously. Time seems to have no hold on Zenith, as admirably demonstrated by two steel links inside the presentation box. Held together by sticky tape, they are covered in the now hardened adhesive of the tape, leaving a yellowish trace testifying these twin links have remained thus affixed for more than three decades. The watch, an El Primero pilot driver chronograph bearing reference 01-0190-415, is not in the case but on the customer's wrist. The man explains to the shopkeeper that he feels a little embarrassed since he's put on a little weight. It seems to him that the bracelet should be lengthened with the links he's kept. 
The in-store watchmaker is immediately called and asks the customer to give him his watch so that he can fit an extra link in the workshop. The skin on the customer's wrist bears the imprint of the excessively tight bracelet. He undoes the buckle and hands over his chronograph, asking the watchmaker to be careful with it, because it means a lot to him. He then explains that he received it as a gift for his first communion in June 1975, and that, although he had the bracelet lengthened when he was 18 years old, he has never stopped wearing his watch. He naturally mentions that he takes it off every night, but since he wears it every day, it has never stopped running. The retailer, amazed, asks him to confirm that he has never had his chronograph serviced, as he is very doubtful about such information. But the customer clearly states that he has not experienced the slightest breakdown, and that the only reason for which he almost brought back his watch once was a long time ago to have the glass replaced because of a scratch caused by a clumsy gesture. In the end, he gave up the idea for fear of being separated from his watch for several days. The watchmaker returns a few minutes later, having cleaned the link to dissolve the layer of glue. He explains that he has taken the opportunity to give the bracelet a complete quick clean. When the shopkeeper tells him that the chronograph has never been serviced, he cannot hide his surprise. He then tests the functions, noting that the seconds hand starts immediately and resets perfectly. In his entire career, he has never seen such a thing, except on a few classic three-hand watches. He then explains to the customer that the movement lubricants must be completely dry and that the arbors and pivots probably present signs of wear. The watchmaker doubtless has in mind the 65 lubrication points of the movement and the list of the different viscosities to be respected. The customer remains unfazed and asks how much he owes for the fitting of the link, which the retailer says is complimentary. He announces that he might think about having a service done, but adds that he has no other watch and would not wish to do without his El Primero for more than 15 days. Clearly not at all worried, he says he's considering having it serviced for his 50th birthday, but that for the moment it is working perfectly, and he thus has no reason to open it. The watchmaker insists and explains that his choice resembles that of a motorist driving without oil in his car engine. The customer smiles lightly and while expressing thanks for the fitting of the link, leaves with his presentation box in hand, having ensured that it contains the instruction manual and the last link. Whatever the case, the shopkeeper never saw the customer again, not in the five years following this moment, nor afterwards. No one knows whether he finally decided he could bear to be parted from his El Primero chronograph for a few days in order to treat it to a proper service. This is definitely not an example to be followed, it is instead the kind of exceptional situation demonstrating that a watch stems from a complex alchemy, which sometimes translates into an ageless quality, exemplifying the relative nature of time. Thank you very much to all of you for listening to this El Primero Movement story, a podcast which has been dedicated to movement excellence. My name is Julien Tornard, and I'm the CEO of Zenit. Like you, we are all sharing passion about watches, passion about watchmaking, and I think all these stories that you've been listening to are basically great examples of sharing this fantastic passion. We have been celebrating this year the 50th anniversary of one of the most, if not the most important movement in the watch industry, called the El Primero, a legendary movement 
created in 1969. All over the year, we've been around the world to celebrate this movement with different friends and aficionados of our brand and sharing this passion. So I'm very happy that you could hear all these interesting stories about the brand, including Charles Vermeer's story, which is a man I want to celebrate, especially this year for this anniversary. I'm also looking forward to being with you in the next episode and to share more adventures about watchmaking and about El Primero. Thank you.